0: are joining us. Sangram, I just want to thank you for joining me on this episode of Office Hours. As those of you know who have been dialing into Office Hours, the goal of Office Hours is to learn the things that they don't teach you in the classroom. I found that I got the most value out of the lessons that I learned on the streets, if you will, out in the world, but also learning directly from the experts themselves. I made a point to pride myself by uh, build my own personal career journey based off of the folks that I surrounded myself and the expertise and always surrounded myself with people who were smarter than me, who no smarter than Sangram, the host of Flip My Funnel and founder of Terminus. Sangram, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: MK, thanks for having me and Robert for making an introduction for us. Uh, and excited to share this because this is a topic where I feel like last four or five years have just mentor people around it. And I've always found people with like their deer and headlights, like what? I need to learn this, I need to do that. And I'm like, yeah. And, and that just changed the conversation for them. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this, this helps people to, do, to think through the process they might have to take.
0: Absolutely. And what I love about the process that you have developed is that the CMO path or path to getting into that CMO role, it's not a linear progression. It's not what I call the ladder framework where you just like climb a rung step by step by step. The way that you approach getting someone to a point of qualification and actualizing their career journey to becoming a CMO has a lot to do with the pockets of experience in a lattice framework that they can gather. And the sum of those parts is what makes them that much stronger of a CMO. I'm super curious to hear though, my journey has been very much a lattice framework. I've been upside down, inside out. But for you and your journey and progression into the CMO role, how has your journey unfolded?
1: Definitely not very traditional. Um, and, and the more I find out, the more people actually have become CMOs because of their upside down journey uh, around it. So my bachelor's and master's is in computer science, so I should be a stereotypical Indian geek, you know, coding and doing some stuff. Uh, but I was really bad at it, so it, it kicked me out of that area. And, and what happened was, uh, in, and this is, again, what happened in master's was, I would have a group of folks who are phenomenal coders and they would just push me forward to say, why don't you present what we are developing? So I had no problem presenting. So I ended up doing zero coding, if any, in my master's program and presenting my team's findings and putting a story around it. And, and we would always win and they would be sweating and I'd be like laughing and engaging and pulling people in the conversation. So it was a great thing for them. It was a great thing for me, but I learned through that process, like I am no coder. So I'm not gonna start pre- stop pretending that and start figuring it out. Uh, but I did realize that stories are what started to move me and made me think about stuff. And I kind of took that to heart um, because I think each one of us has a gift. And we have to dial into that. We have to receive it. We have to accept it and say that this is a gift that you have, that you can do it and you work on your gift to make it better. Um, so I think it's a, it's a process of self-realization on a few things, like what are your gifts? And then recognizing that you can't be good at all. Uh, the people who are good at all are average. Uh, you don't want to be average. You want to be extraordinary. So you need to be great at one thing uh, and be okay with that. I think there was a lot of that.
0: Yeah, I think what you've hit on the head is a lot of people are are starting to come to this realization now is that it's not about spending the time investing in the things you aren't good in. Although there is an importance in understanding the things you aren't good in, but spending more and more time leaning into the things you are good in and using that as your fulcrum, as your momentum to gain the uh, velocity you need to have to get the trajectory that you want to have into the CMO role. Totally. Wow. So you, and based on the conversations you and I have had, you've developed a, a, a literal formula, a literal formula to helping people actualize their potential to get themselves into the C suite as the CMO. Are you cool with sharing that today? Yeah, in the office yeah, no, hours? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, awesome. and
1: again, for people to recognize, it's like when we say formula, it's like, Something that you can remember and and recognize that this is, these are some of the things that you absolutely have to have. Because without that, it's going to be shooting in the dark. You just get lucky. But those are something for some of us who have stumbled into, have recognized that somehow when we look back, those were the points that we actually hit that got us in that position. So I'm just really putting that in front and center and saying, you know, this is the, this are some of the key elements that you've got to pay attention to.
0: Excellent. All right. So for those of you that have dialed us, uh, dialed in live and joined us live, if you have any questions, use the chat pane to toss those questions in. This is just as much an interaction for you as it is also a learning moment for, for me. For anybody, any of those that are reaching out on demand or watching this on demand, Sangram is always very available on LinkedIn. So if you do have questions or you want to explore on this, like reach out to Sangram on LinkedIn. So Without further ado, Sangram, do you want to dive into what you've been developing and working on and refining with folks in your network who want to get jump into the CMO's role? All
1: right, let's do it. Let's do it. You, can you see my screen? Sure can. All right. So we're just going to go through this. Uh, we'll probably double time it because it will be available, as you said, on the recording. But mm-hmm. hopefully people can get a get a feel for it. And this is the presentation I just did for Inbound and at Reach and some of the places. So um, so I have taken some of the feedback and added into it. So it's just getting refined as we go. Um, but I wanted to start with a very clear fact, which is even like less than, I mean, if, if people feel like it's different, let me know. But everybody I've talked to, the forester, and all the studies that I've looked at, the reality is that less than 1% of the marketers will even have a shot, even have a shot at becoming a CMO. So whatever you're doing, you have to take a step back. You can be multitasking when you're talk- when we're talking about this topic. If this is important to you, this is something you have to like really understand that this is not for everybody. Everybody doesn't have to be a CMO. And that might be something what comes out of this and say that, oh, I don't wanna do all that, which is great, that's a great outcome. And if you want to, you need to be very intentional about some of the elements that you need to, be, uh, to get there. And it's not, as, as MK said, it's not gonna be a stepper uh, where you just go up and up, it's more of like surround sound and you recognize what's going around you and become self-aware around it. So that stat should tell you how important and how difficult it can be. Uh, but again, that's what it takes to, to become part of a 1% club. So, M.K., go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, it's such a sobering point to realize, you know, how, how few and far between roles in a C-suite, especially as a CMO, are going to be. But I also really like the point that you emphasize as well, too. I I tell my team this, that a no is just a yes in disguise. It's just a no for right now. And for you to rule out job options for yourself is also a really, really valuable, valuable experience to go through. So don't be afraid to come to the realization after having gone through this exercise that a CMO role just may not be the right role for you as well, too.
1: And that's great. I mean, it's one less headache, the one less thing that you want to do because so-and-so did it, one less thing to copy and, and try to be someone you're not. Like it's it's a great, great thing to, to figure out. And honestly, I, I hope more people would recognize that and and take that and figure out with everything that they're, they're, they're doing in their life. Uh, so here's the formula. If you want to consider this as a formula, which is three-part um, things that you got to do. And then one part that will be very much that's going to be at the centerpiece of it. So know your superpower. We'll, we're going to talk about uh, what those superpowers might be. And I've, I've just started to learn more about them uh, as, as I've started to build this framework. Uh, know your business. This is the part I think most people struggle with because as uh, you said MK, if you're in sales, you know, you can be an SDR, then an AE, and then a manager, and then a director and stuff. If you're in CSM, same thing. If you are uh, as an engineer, the same thing. It's not true for marketers. If you are a great content marketer, guess what? You're going to get more content marketing work to do. Mm-hmm. If you're a great events person, guess what? You're going to do more events thing. It's such a siloed approach to running. So if you want to have experience with product marketing and you're a graphic designer, good luck, right? It's a really hard thing to do. So you have to get very intentional about it. So those that's the business, the stakeholder part we'll get into And the part that's under, it's almost the foundation of it is building a personal brand. And I don't mean in terms of being on LinkedIn and and try to do a whole bunch of things. It's meaning that if you're not visible in your team, in your organization, the chances of somebody picking you up to be the next CMO in that organization is is not possible. It just not like goes back to less than 1% uh, thing. So you have to figure out how you become visible. A part of it. So what I'm going to go through, real we'll again try to double time this, is when I'll, I'm going to share the frameworks for each one of these and then I'm going to give you questions and I'm going to have a, a slide where you just fill that up as you go through it and then maybe share it with MK or I on LinkedIn or anything where you say like what is it and ultimately at the end of this presentation you should be able to look at those about four or five sentences and say okay here's what I think need to do next whatever path you take on so that's that's the goal often so get your pen and paper ready uh, if you're listening yeah. to this ready. all right ready for this so superpower we talked about and this is something i've said and a lot more recently that being intentional is way more important than being brilliant I always thought that being the smartest person in the room and having the best ideas is a great thing. And you know, it's great. There's a place and purpose for that. But if you're not intentional and not executing on those ideas or even one idea, that's the problem. That's where things go south. So a framework that I developed to figure out, well, how do, how are people thinking and how do they, which bucket they fall in and people don't want to put themselves in bucket. But guess what, if you know, then you can, you can be big on it. And if you don't know, then you're going to scramble. So it's important to start putting you, yourself in a bucket that is your gift back to our earlier conversation. So I look at is that most people that I spend time with are either a dreamer, doer, or a driver. So I'm going to go through mm-hmm. each one of them. And each one of them, each one of it is a superpower and a big blind spot that, that you're going to face it. So as an example, I'm a dreamer. So for me, it's all about new ideas. Like every day I come up with 10 ideas of doing things. So my biggest challenge is this, my ability to focus and deliver on something. Mm -hmm. And, And here's the big thing, because dreamers are the people who think big and can change the world. I mean, we need dreamers in our life, but if they can deliver on that and they're not focused on it, here's what's gonna happen with you. If you're a dreamer, you probably already know that you lose credibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And without that, you can't really change the world. So if you're a dreamer listening to this, you got to recognize that, you you know, you have to sometimes in my case, I have to bite my tongue with the ideas or write it down. I keep a list of it. If it keeps coming back, then I know it's a big idea. Then I go for it. So that's my system of keeping up with the ideas and not getting suffocated because I have to get my ideas out. So I write it down and then I pick one or two to focus on and try to deliver on it. And then that's how i build credibility to do and focus on the next idea very important way to go through that
0: yeah so a dreamer's achilles heel essentially is the shiny object syndrome you can think everything is the best idea out there and you might chase all of those big ideas but until you refine the discipline of knowing what's a big idea and knowing what's a good idea in the moment, but not something to actually execute on. That is the differentiator between a dreamer who is successful in their, their identity and a dreamer who ends up losing that credibility. Yeah.
1: There are a lot of dreamers sitting at a coffee club um, and talking about how the world should be better, right? There are a lot okay. of people having a dinnertime conversation saying that, oh, I wish we, you know, I had the Uber idea. But there are not a lot of people who actually went and did it. And that's yeah. the difference between uh, yeah. an Elon Musk of the world and, and people who be in your possessions and other people's possession, who actually said, you know what? I have a dream, but I'm going to act on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Big difference. Um,
1: yeah. That, that brings, that brings up to, to this idea of, of um, doers. Now doers uh, are people who actually get stuff done. They, mm-hmm. without them, Honestly, dreamers can only dream things of how the world is gonna be, but then the doers are the one you need in your organization. Um, the more organization I've talked to, almost 60, 70% of the organization is made up of doers. So if you think what doer, well, I'm not sure if it's doer is a good word. I think doer is a great word. If you're a doer, here's what's happening. People trust you to get things done. People rely on you. Uh, and when I looked at, and the way I know who is a dreamer is in the words they use. So people like Tim Cook, if you if you listen to what he says, he says, Hey, I like to get things done. I like to have these things you look at. So then I looked at people who actually are great doers are like Tim Cook, Shell Sandberg. They're always trying to make the process a little bit better and, and getting things done. So it's a big idea. If you're a doer, if you know that people are relying on you to just Keep the things going and without you, that there's nothing is happening. You are the linchpin that pulls things together. Yep. But here's your, uh, here's your big challenge. You're probably struggling with the picture of success. Because you're so good at what you do, the list of things would never end. And it's because people trust you, people are going to rely on you. And you're going to be that person who just has these things to continue to do. And because of that, you don't know how to say no to anything doers, their biggest challenge is the ability for them to say no. And the only way you can actually say no to something is when you have, oh, you know, this is where we're going. So why would I do that? Like I should be focused on this, but you can't do that because people trust you and you don't want to break that trust. So I see that happening a lot with doers and, and they they suffer with the, the challenge of prioritization in, in everything they do. So doers, I love them because without doers, you can't operate but they struggle with priority more than anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I often use this metaphor with my team when I see them going too far down the rabbit hole of being a doer is that they need to raise their cruising altitude. Doers are so close to the treetops that they risk clipping their wings here and there and that causes the tailspin from there. But if they bring their cruising altitude up just a little bit, they'll be able to prioritize more successfully. And they'll actually be able to see the forest for the trees. They'll, need, they'll be able to see at least what's on the horizon a couple of moves. They may not be the dreamer who can see like years, miles, leagues down the road. But a doer, if they just know how to raise their cruising altitude just enough, they can balance being too close and into the weeds with having visibility into the next step or two ahead of them.
1: And it, it, they're game changers in, in many ways. Like they are the one who actually don't know if they recognize the impact they have on the organization. So when you find a doer, and if you are a doer, give them a high five because they need a lot more love than they typically get in organizations, organization uh, because they're like the unsung heroes almost of the organization. Yeah. Um, that brings me to the, the third one, which is the driver. Now, driver are the people who just want to move the world further faster. You know, like dreamers, they want to change the world, doers, they want to keep the world running and drivers are like, everything has to be done yesterday. Not today, but yesterday, that's your driver typically. And what happens with that mentality of getting things done, people are going to reach out to you for launching a new product, launching a new website. You, you are the person who are like, okay, we need to create this new thing. Oh, I, I, I need so and so for this. So you know who the drivers are in your organization. But because they're so much into results as the way they think about everything, they're driven by results. That's really what their way of looking at success is. Uh, Their biggest challenge becomes kindness. And And I don't just mean kindness to the team, but even kindness for themselves. Like taking a day off. And not, not thinking about work or doing something for themselves. Like they become so driven by the idea of getting things done for their faster movement of the world that they forget to be kind to themselves mm-hmm. and, and to their team. And a common yeah. result of that is, is burnout. Like they, they get burnout, they get their team burnout and they kind of feel like, hey, why do I have to ask for updates? Why do I have to ask for this? Why do I have to do this? Well, because you're burning yourself up. You're burning your team. So nobody So nobody's excited anymore to do all the things but they're going to do it because you're pushing him to do it. And you see that tipping point. So these three things are almost the bucket is that I meet somebody I've done like a whole bunch of uh, uh, ways to figure out who we're talking to. But this came out because I want to know as a manager or as a leader immediately who I'm talking to. So if I know I'm mm-hmm. talking to a dreamer, then I know I need to help him or her to figure out a way to get focused on a couple of things and not crush their ideas by asking, how are you gonna do it? More of like, oh, let's focus on these two ideas. Let's let's figure out how do we drive it and help them build credibility. If I'm talking to a doer, I'm gonna always ask that, well, so so where are we going with this? Where are we going? What what what's where's the altitude for this thing? Like what are we? too close? or we too high? Like what's, what's going on? What do you see further right now? If it's only see a week ahead, then that's what I need to help them with. Uh, and then with driver, I'll ask them like, all right, how's your mom doing? Right. How, how, yeah. How's your, how's you because I'm, they, they've already sent me so many updates on a regular basis that I don't need any more project updates. I just want to know how they are doing and how their family is doing and how is, uh, Joe and Sally on your team doing, like right? so, so that's another way to coach your team as you think about it as a manager or leader. So it's, it's also a team building exercise, but also to know that who are you. So mm-hmm. you recognize what your superpower is. If you can dream big, you can get things done. you can move things for the faster and be aware of where, what, what are the areas that, that need help.
0: Yeah, it's so important too, especially with the hustle culture that we see out there right now, the driver has a really interesting role to play in either amplifying the hustle culture or restoring balance within the hustle culture to say like results do matter, but there are other priorities outside of the workplace. Like how's your mom doing? How's your family doing to make sure that you have balance and you restore that balance in the way that you drive impact, which ultimately is what we're looking at here. When you look at these three types of uh, individuals, you're looking at the ways in which they drive impact and what their intrinsic motivators are to make that impact. But if you overcorrect in one area or overuse your skill sets, you run the risk of actually uh, causing damage. Or if you underutilize these things as well too, you're not utilizing the superpower that you need in order to complete the formula.
1: Yeah it nice. It's a huge self identification so if and if nobody takes anything other than recognizing if they're a dreamer doer driver or maybe they can t- type up in the chat who do you think they are and, mm. and and think if you have a team, you probably have already started to recognize oh I have a dreamer doer but here's another thing m k that if as a ma- and as a manager as a leader as you become part of uh, start of leading your team, the importance of having all three people on your team
0: mm. yep.
1: A lot of times you'll have a dreamer, so we have a lot of ideas, but not getting stuff done, then you know where the problem is, what you don't have on the team. It doesn't mean you need to stop the dreamer, you need to hire a doer, mm-hmm. but to make somebody, this is the problem that a lot of people get, get, get into, which we were talking in the beginning, they try to be all in one, three in one, and three in one makes people average. Yep average because if I stop dreaming and I start doing, I'm going to become average. I'm not going to be a great dreamer nor I'm going to be a great doer and I'm going to become average. And there's no place in the 1% for average.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it, right? That, the, the key here is not to try to find yourself in the middle of this Venn diagram, The key here is to help isolate which area of the Venn diagram that you're in and lean into that to harness that superpower. But the first step on this is self-actualization. It's being self-aware and knowing which one of these three quadrants or areas you belong in and then use that as your identity, as that that shield, that that superpower that helps you fight the evil of terrible marketing, if you will. Um, Yeah. Ashley actually, actually asked us a question and Ashley asked, Do you run across many people who are dreamers and doers?
1: That's a good one. A lot of times I'll see a more dual driver uh, as mm-hmm. a common trait of people who are like getting stuff done now, they're getting stuff done faster, kind of mode. Um I think we have tendencies, depending upon the project initiatives, to to dive into something. So some you know, dreamers for a period of time can become doer to get things done, like right? to build, get focused and make sure. So product, creating a project plan, not something I enjoy doing, but you know what, to get my project done, to have focus, I need to do that sometimes to, to get it done. So as a dreamer to, to know that you're now getting into a doer thing, the reality, but, the, but the, here's the thing, you have to do that, you have to learn to do that, but you have to recognize that that's not your happy place. So mm-hmm. you're not gonna be very successful in, in that place if you are put there too long. So it, as, an, as a leader, we all need to be situational leaders. So we have to recognize what the organization or you and that your team needs it. So we need to be situational leaders in that sense. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if everybody's struggling, you're not hitting numbers, you're not, and and things are not getting done. You don't need to put another idea. If you're a dreamer, you need to help prioritize. So I think there's mm-hmm. a, there's a need to recognize what's going on and to, to vacillate a little bit, uh, but recognizing that you are the best, the gift of God for you, the best thing when you actually do something that is phenomenal and nobody else is can actually do something that you can do and recognizing that that's who you are is such a liberating thought that you don't have to be all of it that that's what I hear from a lot of people. It's like, I just know I'm a dreamer. So I'm going to dream big ideas. I'm going to partner up with doers and drivers. So they keep me accountable and we can move forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to be a sheep in wolf's clothing. They call this like your energy right. source. So when your energy sources actualize as a dreamer, doer or driver, you are that much more impactful and effective at the work that you're doing. But if you try to be a dreamer and you're really a doer, you might run in and zap your energy sources from the work that you're doing, because you're going to exhaust this like really grandiose idea system that you're trying to bake into the place when really you just need to. You lean into the prioritization, and just make sure that you as a doer and you have that picture of success in your mind and you can project manage the heck out of something yeah. that is an okay superpower to have and one thing that you just mentioned is that it you have to structure your team if you 're going in this direction and you 've identified your superpower, you have to structure your team so that there are complementary skills surrounding you such that your energy sources are actualized that much greater. And those that are around you as energy sources are actually also pinging off of you and the need that you have for their skill sets.
1: It, so I'll, I'll give you an example of this one. Is you know when when you know this, and let's say you're going to an interview tomorrow morning for a CML position or a manager or leader position, you could imagine you walking in there and saying that, "Hey, look." I I know that I'm a dreamer. I know that my, one of my biggest challenges when they ask like, well, what are your challenges? And we try to cop out of those responses. Like, no, I recognize my challenges to focus and here is how I know to focus on it. I think you win so many more points because now you know who you are. You could say that, hey, look, I'm great at storytelling. Like we'll get into the second part of it uh, but I'm not great at metrics. I'm not great at spreadsheets. I, I don't spend most of my time. So what I need if I get into this position is to hire somebody who could compliment me with them or partner with somebody who can compliment with them. I think if you ever walked in a room and say, Oh, I got it all. I can do it all. I think people know and can smell it that, yeah, you're you're just, just trying to make up things. But if you are open about it and say, here's what I'm really good at. And here are the things I'm going to need help with. And here's how I'm going to compensate. People love that. Like I'll hire that person tomorrow uh, as opposed Mm -hmm. to someone who says I got it.
0: Yeah. So authenticity and self-awareness—that is what helps you harness that superpower.
1: There you go. So I'm gonna—I don't know how if we are gonna be able to go through all of it, but let let's just give a couple of questions and maybe we go through a basic and then we can uh, we can jump into some of the other areas. But here are a yep. couple of questions that I want people to to, to really ask themselves and write it down. Like right? This is this mm-hmm. is where you get into is like, I don't know if I, what it is. Uh, some of you just drop who you are. Um, that's great what your blind spot is. And, and also, this is the second question that people need to ask. Like, okay, if you want to be a CMO, identify what type of CMO you want to be um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of organization. So it might make sense for a bigger organization. They need people who are getting things done. They're, they need to have people who are able to more do more people management. They need more of a, Driver doer sometimes. If you're Mm. trying to build a new category, in our case, which in the early days, you probably need somebody who's dreaming about it. So maybe a small, fast growth, early stage startup might be a good one. So not all CMOs are good. I'll be a horrible CMO for a very big company who's asking me to do like 20 events a year and do this and this and this, like I'll be horrible at that because that's just not how I think. But if somebody asks me, oh, go, you know, let's go build a new category on this. Like I'm all in, let's just reinvent everything, reimagine everything, reimagine how events are done, all in on that because that's where my mind works. So for me, I'm not, don't wanna be a big company CMO, but if you do, then you need to know that you have the skills around So these two questions are very important questions for you to recognize and self-identify so you can figure out which type of companies you want to go after.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's such an important point to make too, that not every size company is going to have a need for um, a CMO with different areas of expertise in their superpowers as well too. So size of an organization and where you can actualize your superpower is really important. I know for me, of marketing here at alice Uh, i know that a company at alice's size of about 150 employees is the right spot for me to take my dreamer doer mindset and use that to drive results and offset myself in those skill sets with my driver teammates as well i love that so super important
1: So this brings to this question right where we can just everybody can just write it down it's like (laughs) simple as that like i am a pick dreamer or doer or driver. So you just fill that up. I am a dreamer, um, best suited for a similar position at, you know, small, mid-size, large, whatever size company. You may even say industry, if you know what that is. That will narrow down. That's the important of it is to narrow down to a point where you just know this is where I'm going to start focusing up. Because once you do that, now you're able to say, these are the areas that I need to to develop, need, need to build relationships in, understanding of that industry a lot more. It just would simplify. Today, you might be looking around, I need to know everything. This is going to help you say that, no, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know a lot about this industry and this type of company and because you are so-and-so person. So that's, that's the homework uh, for everybody. And this is where I would love from MK to MK or me. Just hit us up later on and tell us what it yeah. is. Okay, that's. That's the fun part. All right, so we'll we'll try to double-time this one because this is this is much more, that the first part was super important for people to just recognize. I think the rest of it is like, all right, these are things that you just need to know and you start yeah. focusing on it. So for example, on the business, I'm still using the three um, circles to, to just keep it simple. And areas from a CMO perspective, you need to really understand is storytelling. Like that is an area that I feel I'm good at. I'm not great at business metrics. I feel I'm I'm relatively okay at team building. These are the areas that you just need to be super knowledgeable about. Mm -hmm. So you as a CMO, if you can't tell your company story, you have a problem. So you need to just get good at it. Now, you may not be the evangelist type. So that's okay. You hire an evangelist to do that. But you need to be able to tell the company story better than anybody else. That's something that you have to do. And if you don't know, we'll talk about how you get there metrics. This is my big, was big challenge. Like I love so much of the customer interactions and conversations and being out there that somebody opens a spreadsheet for me and go through it like, I start dozing off. Like that's just not my thing. So I have to like realize, okay, the way to get around is to recognize and understand the top five business metrics or top 10 business metrics, and just know them left and right. Don't not try to understand every metric of every thing. just get super good at your business metrics that your CEO or CFO or CRO things and cares about. Learn about them, understand it, there's enough information about, about all of that and then get, get, go, get going with that. And team, this is the part that goes without saying, if you're gonna be a CMO, chances are you'll have a team. And what's interesting about that is your team can fill some of these holes for you, which is something you need to be doing. But you have to have the, and this is the part where you may not want to be. If you're, if you feel like you like to get stuff done and faster than everybody else, you're gonna have trouble leading a team because mm-hmm. if your team is not that, and if you're a driver, a lot of times people hire a bunch of drivers, big problem because you just get a whole bunch of fast moving, running thing, and and not knowing where are you running, where are you running? Oh, doesn't doesn't matter, keep running. Like you know, that's that's what you get into. So, So as a team leader, you now, as you know, if you're a dreamer, you need doers and drivers on your team. If you're a driver, you do not need a whole bunch of drivers. So you have to get out of your comfort zone and be patient for letting somebody else tell a story and stuff like that. So these three things become the cornerstone of understanding your business and articulating your business.
0: Wow, and one distinction I do want to make is that just because you are using the same Venn diagram to do this doesn't necessarily mean that dreamers are have a propensity for storytelling and, and um, doers have a propensity for metrics. Is that once you triangulate these three tenets of the business that you are managing, this is where you've been able to harness your ability to master the domain of your business. This isn't necessarily saying that all all dreamers are good storytellers or all doers are really great at metrics, right?
1: Absolutely, I think it has nothing to do with, you may have a more uh, excitement for one thing or the other, based Mm. on where you are, what your comfort level is. It also depends on if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Like I think Mm. a lot of other things could could pull into it, Um, but these are the elements that you gotta be able to do it and gotta be able to recognize, oh, I don't know enough about my business metrics. So if you are a a, a graphic designer to that, Chances are you're not looking at the inbound number and the gross uh, profits and the the ARR that actually have the net net retention. What does that really mean for the business? Those are not the metrics you're thinking about, right? But you're probably putting it in decks and not even thinking about it. Get intentional about it. Ask those questions. You have a great opportunity to do it. Um, Questions for for people to, to now reflect on is like identifying how you can become a better storyteller this is where you can do mm-hmm. listen to tech talks go in and do one of those uh what do you call it? toastmasters i used to do toastmasters in the early mm-hmm. stages it was fantastic Go and do toastmasters um maybe um every friday or every monday especially a company like mk yours like you're allow you're literally encouraging people to to share what's going on so you don't have to tell a story about your work you can start getting better at. let me tell you a story about my upbringing or how i learned about my job or whatever that is so mm-hmm. figure out ways you can tell stories and get to your presentation skills, because it's going to be really important. You'll be doing a board deck. So think about that. Yep. Um, metrics, figure out the top five, 10 metrics. Uh, that's, that's all don't, don't overblow it. If that's not your thing, then make sure you know the 10 business metrics or so, because that's how your CEO and CFO is going to communicate with you. The other, you can rely on somebody else. Um, and then you Identify the gaps we talked about, Mm -hmm. like your or do a driver, find those and make sure you hire them first. It will be very uncomfortable. It will be not your natural motion. So you have to be very intentional.
0: Yep. Excellent. So this is
1: this is write it down. I am going to focus on pick your word, team building, storytelling, metrics, and, and then really, this is the part where I feel a lot of people miss is I'm going to do something about it every week or every month, whatever your 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 idea of, of consistency is, just do it. That's the part where you get better. And you, if you're not good at all of it, that's okay. You just pick one and you're going to start realizing, oh, I'm really actually good at that. I need to, that's great. Now I need help here. So going to the motion is, is super important.
0: Nice. And that space after doing, I'm assuming you want it to be, somehow some sort of a SMART goal. So specific, measurable, attainable, relatable, time-bound, like keeping all of those letters and acronyms as detail-oriented as possible so that you are holding yourself accountable. And with that, you now can also measure your success based on what you've actually pinpointed as, you know, the thing you're going to focus on.
1: As, as you say that, like I think one thing that comes to mind, MK, is I've seen this, that if you do anything consistently it's going to create massive outcome for you. Mm -hmm. So consistency creates massive outcomes. I've just shared that internally and something that i try to do, like we do podcasts, we just do it consistently. We do lives. I do it every Wednesday. So anything that I do, I try to create a routine around it. So you become consistent. And if you're doing it routinely, then you become uh, good at it. And, and that's a big part of all of it. So by doing You're figuring out I'm going to do this once a week or three times a month or you know four times a year. Pick it and stick with it and do it. Mm. I think that is the part a lot of times. Oh, nilly, okay, I'm going to start doing this next year. Then you're not never going to get to it. So that that part I see happening more. Uh, Know your stakeholders. This is where everybody uh, trips more than anything else. This is where where we think about you can't get into that position without having the trust. Of the people mm-hmm. that are hiring uh, for that position so i'll put the, these three things and this is this is the one one thing i should have asked you like which one do you think but I, maybe i'll phrase it this way mk which one of these three roles the ceo the cfo and cro is a role that you feel most marketers have least understanding and least amount of relationship with
0: well i would say historically it's probably the cfo that they have the least amount of understanding it's just there's potentially a language barrier there and a prioritization barrier there. Marketing wants to spend a lot of money so they can yeah. get all the leads in or all the accounts into a more qualified state, flip them over to sales. The CFO is let's spend a little less money so that we can stop experimenting with so many different tools out there uh, and be more, more uh, conscientious with our, our company's finances.
1: And who is the person who actually gives you the money? Uh, it's the CFO, a-
0: oh, obviously.
1: <laughs> so it's a, it's a very interesting thing. And, and I'm glad you share that because your CFL is by far your CEOs normally asking your CFL, do you trust them? Mm-hmm. That's a question that's happening behind. I like, that's something that I would ask at my company. And I was like, do, do you trust what that team is saying? Because that's really what it comes down to. And the CFO go, well, I don't know. I'm like, I've never seen anything from them or like budget is, they, they haven't really given me a budget. So if you don't have strong relationship with CFO, your budget is not going through, doesn't
0: yeah.
1: And then the CEO typically would ask the CRO, do you think they're doing anything for you? Like, forget the metrics, forget everything, the CROs, if, and if the CRO said, well, you know, they, they do good, but I don't know if they're actually driving true business outcome, no matter how many metrics you share, you're building, It's all comes down to trust. I've seen CMOs hired and fired based on those two conversations. Do you trust them with your budget? And do you feel like they're actually doing anything to drive your business for, to the sales leader? Those two mm-hmm. questions mean that you have to build a ton of trust with these three people.
0: So important too. I mean, at the, the time of this recording, we're on the precipice of uh, financial year planning as well too. So anybody who has their spreadsheets open, looking ahead to the year in front of us, now is the time. If you have been, felt like you've invested in the trust of the relationship with your CFO, or you aren't driving the results that your CRO wants to see ha- driven, now is the time to just wipe the slate clean and get in the mix with them and problem solve with them so that you can earn that trust. And you can bridge the divide between a language barrier. If the CFO cares about fiscal responsibility, show them how wisely you're going to use the money that they're investing into your organization next year. If the CRO cares about the results that you're driving them, show them the path forward with the tactics that you're deploying, with the channels that you're trying to amplify in the next year to show the tangible results that you're going to be driving for their organization.
1: It is so monumentally important, MK, as you said. Mm -hmm they, if you, if, if this is the time you're having that conversation with them and you don't have the trust before, like the whole year of showing incremental success, incremental um, trust, building it, it's, it's something I all say all the time is that you don't build trust in a day, in a week, in a month, it's definitely not in a budget cycle. Uh, you build trust like way before one day at a time. And it's going to be harder for people to do that when you're not in the office and having conversations just off the cuff, now you're, you have to do it very intentionally. So, those three relationships, CFO, as you called out, is the least of all relationship, but are the ones that they are the ones who are actually letting the CEO, hey, we need to give them more budget. And the CEO will say, okay, fine, because the CFO is literally the second in command for your organization. So, this is the question I asked like, what makes you the most uncomfortable? Of these three, of any of these three roles, and whoever that is, start building relationship with them because that's how you move forward. Whatever is the most uncomfortable, so write this down. I'm going to build strong relationship with my either in the company because of how it is, but if it's a big company or if you're not comfortable, maybe outside of your company. This is where I've seen and seen people, oh, I'm in sales, I'm gonna start, or I'm in marketing, I want, I don't know if I have a relationship with my CMO as much, but I'm gonna have uh, other CMO and and, and focus on that, other CRO or other CEO or other CFO. So whoever it is, either inside the organization or outside the organization, I'm gonna have relationship with me, the mental relationship, I'm gonna follow their work, I'm gonna engage with their content, or set up meetings once in a while to, to learn about them and, and the process around it, but find those and build those relationships. You cannot move to the next level unless you understand and what's going on in the minds of these three roles. Mm.
0: So important.
1: All right, the last one, and this is the part where, where I feel people should just know, like no one hires the invisible. Yep. Just taking a crack at it. I don't know if everybody agrees with me on this, but I think I'm pretty good. I'm hundred percent sure on, on my end of it. Like you're not hiring an invisible person. So people trip on this um, somewhat un- accidentally because they just feel like, as long as I do good work, should my work be noticed? No, and the best, uh, the best marketers are actually the worst
0: marketers of themselves. So it is, it is ironic. The cobbler's children never have any shoes. Yeah. Marketers forget is, to market themselves always.
1: No shoes. So you got to learn the art of doing that internally. So when I think about this is this is where the talk teach, share model come in place. And again, we're double timing. So we're going through fast a little bit is you got to tell your story. You got to talk about it. You got to learn something that you, Oh, you're good at it. So you're a graphic designer, start doing graphic design designing classes like, Get into the habit of how do you talk about it? How do you teach about it? How do you share? And then you will get into the rhythm of like, oh, this is how you do it. Um, If you're on a team right now, share up to your CMO and to the team, here are what we achieved this week and, and share that as an update so you realize what it takes to do to your executive team or to the board because that's what you'll be doing one day. So it's not necessary that you do wait for all these things to happen when you become a CMO. It will never happen. You start in whatever role you are today and start building that and start creating that as part of your, uh, your learnings. And that's how you build your personal brand internally. Now, if you're good at that, and if you want to do it once a month or once a week or something externally, even better. But that's not something that's needed. It'd start internally in your safe place in a safe zone, whatever makes sense to you. Maybe join a community and do it over there. Totally cool, like what you're doing with your university and stuff. So the idea is to get into a habit of doing it. This is the hardest things for marketers to do. And this is one of the biggest reasons why less than 1% would even have a shot at it because they're invisible, they're Mm,
0: invisible. Yeah, and it it sounded like too that you would prioritize. So you talked about personal brand and I see so many folks out there on LinkedIn building up their personal brand, using their personal brand for social selling, social marketing, but you're talking about use your personal brand internally. Have a point of view internally where you're constantly talking, teaching, and sharing with the folks that work alongside you. Because within that organization, if you're ever going to be considered for a role to step into the C-suite as the CMO, you're going to need to have that visibility that you do have thoughts, you do have a point of view, and you can take the organization to the next level.
1: Huge, huge huge gap, I think, in most marketers. I think we are so so much focused on our own little area um, we gotta, we gotta expand that. And th- this is the part that is very uncomfortable for people to do. And probably one area that people have too many blinders on, um, and, and holding themselves back to. And then that's one area where there needs a lot of encouragement and accountability from others to help you, which is why I would say, well, identify, um, how you're going to build your brand one day at a time. It's, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It may not even happen in the next six months, but it's one day at a time, just, do something on a regular basis, keep a, I keep a swipe file of things that I want to write or think about that's in my head or do or I've done or got accolades from and I keep it and then I use it intermittently on Slack. Oh, that's the conversation I had. Let me talk about that or use that. So start building your own swipe file to help you recognize what's working, what's not working from a feedback perspective. And then as always, like figure it out. It's a consistent, it's a routine because routine, the consistency creates massive outcomes. Like, what are you gonna do to do that? Are you mm-hmm. gonna slack once a week about what you're learning? Are you gonna do a video uh, for your company or team or externally um, on a weekly or monthly basis? Are you gonna do something about it? So whatever it is, your comfort zone, maybe writing is a comfort zone for somebody, for somebody it might be videos, for somebody it might be um, just having meetings like this and, and share what that is. Whatever it is, it, it, just like everything else, this is the part that's gonna make you visible. This is the part that's going to make you
0: stand up. If you're a storyteller, this is an easy thing for you to do. If you're a doer, just add this to your to-do list and you'll plow through this task. (laughs) And, And if you're a driver, it would be naturally easy for you to want to talk about the results that you're achieving. So it doesn't matter what type of a superpower you have. It's just a matter of committing to actually doing this. And your own permutation of this will just naturally emerge because of the superpower you have
1: thousand percent thousand percent so here so here's the formula again um this is good mk we can of double time together on this one so that was really cool um and, and so this is your whole thing together and if you were to say well how do i put things in it so the question i get all the time is where do i start and i would just say okay look at this formula and imagine just writing in here like okay i'm a dreamer um, i need to focus on metrics this is not something i'm good at I need to build a relationship with the CFO. That's something uh, that, that totally is out of the left fields, out of my comfort zone. I need to start doing that. And, and I'm going to publish something on a, on a weekly basis. That's an example of how simple you can keep these things and not let all right. So you don't have to, do everything all in one day. You don't have to build all these relationships in the next week. You don't have to know your business soup to nuts, uh, necessarily in a, in a month's time. It's a matter of just taking consistent steps and when you boil it down. It's really not a whole lot. When you say this quarter, this is what I want to do and do it because that's the differentiator from you and the people who, who get 1%. Phenomenal.
0: Okay. So Now the question I'm going to want to know is how can I get more of this? Like this is so impactful and you've filled this in such a simplistic format that it's attainable for me. Like there, this is a very approachable way to refine the skills that you're trying to develop. where can I get more? I'm a little greedy. How can I, how can I work or partner with you or members of your team to continue to refine this and also have my accountability squad?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's good. I'm glad you asked that MK. And as you know, um, like about four months ago, uh, right in the midst of all the COVID and everything is like um, I started this uh, community called Peak Community and in that we have two specific groups. We have an emerging CMO group who go through a course like this and then they have about right now about 25 emerging CMOs who are all meeting bi-weekly and, they, and then we bring in a CMO in there and we bring in somebody else and they all are able to focus on, okay, I need to get better at metrics Oh, here's another emerging CMO who is not, he's really good at metrics. So they're partnering up and learning together. Um, so every other week they get together and do things like that. And then there's a CMO group that we have for people who are CMOs to get better at being a CMO. And they are, they, they, they are starting to have, again, another bi-weekly sessions for them to get a brand or, or storytelling or how do they report to their board and things like that. So both of those groups have become really fun to, to be part of. So, if anybody's interested, they can just uh, DM me uh, on LinkedIn and I can share more because it's still very much invite only. It doesn't have any vendors, it doesn't have any salespeople. It's, it's a very learning focused thing that just meets every other week talking about it.
0: Fantastic. I Well, Sangram, thank you so much for going through this double time and dropping all the knowledge bombs here. This has been another episode of Office Hours where I don't know my mind was blown of all the really impactful things that I can start implementing right now after we end today's session. Thank you again so much, Sangram. And we hope to have you on maybe another episode of Office Hours where we talk about, I don't know, working on your internal brand. But there's There's a lot of opportunity for us here.
1: Big time. Let me know, and Thank you. And thanks, everybody who joined in and and shared, shared their feedback and thoughts.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Bye, everyone.